Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and we are reacting to the San Francisco 49ers Week 7 Monday Night Football loss against the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota, where the San Francisco 49ers have yet to win a game since 1992, falling to 5-2 on the year. Uh, half a game ahead of the Seattle Seahawks, still in the NFC West, but now one game behind the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC playoff picture, falling to the number two seed in the NFC playoff picture. And this game was an absolute joke from Jump Street. Uh, when I tell you that I wasn't happy watching the game, when I wasn't happy after the game, when I wasn't happy during the game, uh, it felt as if San Francisco, well, the first drive for the Vikings ended pretty well for San Francisco, getting a, a Mooney Ward interception, right? It felt as if that this defense was going to, I don't want to say get back on track, but was going to be able to shut down primetime Kirk Cousins. It felt as if that, that we were going to get, again, a primetime Kirk Cousins performance and it was going to lead to a Niners victory uh, last night in prime time. That, in fact, did not happen because on that very first drive uh, for the Niners, following the interception, uh, McCaffrey, they get in the red zone, they fumble. That was the first time all year the Niners hadn't scored on the opening drive on a play. They had scored six of their seven games, had 38 points on first drives coming into this game, leading the entire NFL uh, but uh, this was just the beginning as to what this game was going to be. Uh, the offense didn't have success for 80% of the night, only getting 17 points, losing 22-17. to 17. Another Jake Moody missed field goal didn't help matters. Um, but the story of this game is not the offense, albeit Brock Purdy threw two massive uh, clutch time picks that did not help his... Uh, his stat line, nor this team win this game. But there was and should be a lot of criticism headed towards the defense that is led by Steve Wilkes. Because Steve Wilkes, who I like, somebody who I championed coming into the year, albeit he wasn't my first pick, when I saw him take the podium for the first time, he had this head coaching professor-like aura. Um, all the talk of training camp and OTAs, you felt confidence. And through five weeks of this year, in fact, even six weeks through this year, I think we all could say the defense was not the problem. They certainly had their issues, their drawbacks. But no one sat back and said this defense isn't the top five unit. But the past two weeks, again, against the Browns wasn't too bad, but you miss 10 tackles, you give up 160 rushing yards. Then the whole conversation becomes, you're going to bounce back against the Vikings. This is going to be a, 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 a game where the offense can can bounce back and refine itself. It's going to be a game where the defense just dominates all night long. And yes, the point outcome doesn't really signify how bad the defense was. Because 22 points, this offense should be able to score. Uh, 22 points given up. Uh, Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk led offense should be able to give you at least 23 points. And, well, th they tried and they failed. Uh, but the defense is and will be for a whole week the entire story. Because it was just bad from every aspect. No pass rush. Why are you paying Nick Bosa and Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead and 
go and trade for Randy Gregory when you cannot generate a pass rush. They had 16 pressures last night, no sacks. Um, I'm not one to say somebody's not worth the money, and I'm certainly not saying it now, but hey, Nick Bosa, uh, you're getting paid the highest non-quarterback salary in the entire NFL. I believe you're getting $51 million this year. Um, pick it up. Javon Hargrave, you have one of the largest defensive tackle salaries of all time. You have three sacks this year, none last night. Pick it up. Eric Armstead, one of the highest paid defensive linemen in football. Pick it up. Last night was an absolute crapshoot when it came to elite or star defensive players not doing their job, not doing what they're paid to do. Of those three players, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, and Javon Hargrave, San Francisco, as allocating, is paying them over $92 million between those three players. Those three players this year have six sacks through seven games. That's a joke. That is something that you point to and say, what are we paying you for? How do you have these star players and can't generate a single sack last night? Why is it as if this pass rush... I. I can care less what PFF says. Oh, the run defense grade. He's the highest graded player. Wow. Um, analytics don't always result in performance. Always result in, well, results. You have to get sacked. You couldn't sack Kirk Cousins. You could sack Kenny Pickett. You can sack Daniel Jones. It's not as if you haven't been able to sack better O-lines or quarterbacks behind better O-lines or more mobile quarterbacks this year. But when you're looking at those three-star players, Armstead, who I'm not going to knock him for not having sacks because last year didn't have many sacks, previous year didn't have many sacks. Getting a sack for him really isn't the end-all, be-all when it comes to being an interior defensive lineman. But you brought in Javon Hargrave, a 10-plus sack slash you're going to help get this pass rush to the next level. Put us on a tier like the Philadelphia Eagles last year. That hasn't happened so far. Nick Bosa, Defensive Player of the Year, one of the best defensive players in football, going to pay him, again, the highest non-quarterback salary in football. It's going to be a huge deal. He's going to be the reason why we win games. No. Nick Bosa's a great player. Great in run defense. Right now, Nick Bosa is not getting, not finishing the plays he was last year. He had 18 and a half sacks last year. He's two and a half through seven games. He might not reach 10 this year. That'll be his lowest total since 2019, his rookie season. That's a joke. What's the excuse? When you can't generate pass rush, what happens? You then tend to struggle in the secondary. And I think all of this falls on Steve Wilkes. Yes, players have to execute. It's not just on Steve Wilkes, but I guarantee you last night, had it been Robert Sala, had it been Demeco Ryan's, they make the adjustments, they get the sacks, and they win this game. Last night, what Steve Wilkes showed me, which showed the entire fan base, was that he's going to trust and put more pressure on his defensive backs, his cornerbacks, Mooney Ward, Lenore, Oliver, than previous years, previous defensive coordinators. The entire... The entire mantra of San Francisco since Kyle Shanahan was brought in was to build from the trenches out. It feels as if Steve Wilkes is now playing from the secondary in. You cannot win that way in football unless you have three elite cornerbacks and two elite safeties. There is no team right now playing that way. None.
In fact, I did the math. The highest sack total a Steve Wilkes-led defense has ever had was 50 when the Carolina Panthers went to the Super Bowl and lost. Other than that, 38, 36, 40. The Niners' defense since 2019, their elite, you know, collection of years, 2019, 21, and 22, they've averaged over 44 sacks a season, having 48 in those three years. Steve Wilkes is not trying to get sacks. His goal is not to get sacks. Uh, again, I do like Steve Wilkes. I, I, I do like him when it comes to coaching up Lenore and Ward and Oliver. Uh, but the thing is, is that you like if you get pass rush, you're going to help your cornerbacks out. There is no creativity in generating stunts and getting guys one-on-one. -on -one. The entire conversation this offseason was, wow, you have Hargrave in here now? Man, you got three guys, Hargrave and Armstead and Bosa, that can take up double teams and give a Gregory, give a Jackson, a Farrell, that one-on-one -on -one, a pass rush attempt, and they can get back in the backfield and sack the quarterback. That's not happening. Drake Jackson has been a no-show since week number one. Cleland Farrell was a run defender, and that's it. And Gregory probably had or was the closest to a sack last night besides the Vikings' last third down of the game. Last night was the exact thing you do not do as a defensive coordinator. You're blitzing. You're leaving your, your cornerbacks out to dry, which is why, which is surprising to me, this team, through seven weeks, this Niners team, leads the entire NFL in penalties with 50. They also are second in yards given away due to penalties with 412. This team is undisciplined and they have lost their entire identity on defense. They're not getting sacks. They're not getting pressure. They're playing piss poor coverage and they're being penalized at the highest rate in the entire league. That's how you lose games. And the issue is, is it's not how much they're getting penalized, although that isn't great, it's when they're getting penalized, on key third downs, on holding calls, on DPIs in the red zone, getting the ball to the one-yard line of the Vikings. It's as if this defense, everything they've known the past previous, what, five, six years under Sala and Ryans is out the door, out the window. Hence why last night, which I think there's one play to point this out to go, what are we doing? And you all know what it is. It is the before halftime 60-yard touchdown pass to Jordan Addison. What in the world is Steve Wilkes doing? You can call prevent defense, which I get it. We criticize that too. But prevent defense, you make Kirk Cousins have to beat you, which Kirk Cousins was great last night. But in this instant, with like, what, 40 seconds left and maybe one timeout at most, you have to make Kirk Cousins beat you. Make him rush three, rush four. Make him be the one to overtake your defense and knock you out of the game. Instead, Steve Wilkes calls a zero blitz a la Greg Williams against the Raiders a few years ago before he got fired. And what happens? Mooney Ward can't secure the pick. Jordan Addison, to his credit, rips the ball out of his hands and runs for a 60-yard touchdown. Immediately. Now, they missed the extra point, but immediately. Following your offense, going down the field, putting up seven points, making this game a 10-7 game prior to halftime, knowing you're getting the ball back and can go down and either take the lead or tie the game again when the second half starts, what do you do? What, what is the thinking of that? 
to come out and say zero blitz and give Kirk Cousins not too much time, but you also give him one-on-one -on -one man coverage against Mooney Ward, Lenore, other players on the secondary. It's not smart defense. Call prevent, make the tackle. If you force them to stay in bounds, they don't score at all. It's it's not like field goals are guaranteed. Joseph missed one last night, missed the extra point last night. Moody missed a kick last night. Had you gone into halftime 10 to 7, San Francisco at the end of this game is down by three at the Vikings 40 yard line, and all they have to do is march 30, 40 yards, 30 yards downfield, and you at least give Jake Moody a chance to redeem himself from last week and earlier in this game. This game should have been 10 to 7 in halftime with your offense having momentum, with your team having momentum back on the road of, we're starting off slow, gonna finish strong. Steve Wilkes himself ripped that out of this team's hands. Knowing you lost against the Browns last week, you have to get back on track. Knowing the Eagles won against the Dolphins and looked pretty darn good, you call that play. And I, it, it's, I'm all for being aggressive. I'm, I'm, I'm all for blitzing. When the time calls for it, there is no coach with a job today, again, like Greg Williams, who got fired after doing so, would call a zero blitz when you can play prevent defense and at least force them to attempt a field goal, which they may or may not make. See Volks last night, just not great. This defense right now is on pace for 36 sacks, their lowest total since 2020. And we all know what happened that year. I like Steve Wilkes. I think he's a fine defensive coordinator. I like his aggressiveness when it comes to blitzing, when it matters. What I don't like is that he's sitting up in a booth with no emotion and is sitting down there making incorrect play calling, is not scheming up open lanes for our star study elite edge rushers. There is no excuse as to why Nick Bosa threw seven games only has two and a half sacks. And one of those sacks was a freebie because he was unblocked against the Giants. How does Javon Hargrave only have three sacks? Fred Warner and Gray Greenlaw have combined for more sacks than Hargrave has totally. They have four. He has three. Drake Jackson has three sacks. The same amount as Javon Hargrave. The, all of them in one game. And that's not a knock on Jackson, who again has disappeared the past six weeks. It's more of a knock on, why are we not generating stunts, getting guys on one-on-one -on -one pass, uh, pass rush snaps? It's almost as if these guys are being, it's like a force field behind the quarterback. You couldn't sack Kirk Cousins once. And it's not as if the Vikings offensive line is great. They're fine. The Vikings team as a whole is a fine team. The record really wasn't who they were. They've Played every game by a single score. But there was no excuse as to why an offense in San Francisco led by Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy and McCaffrey, who I get was hurt, but his usage last night was mind-bogglingly dumb. Didn't have Debo. Didn't have Trent. I get that. Those are two players you don't want to have, or you, you want to have on the field, obviously. You could have won this game without them. You should have won this game without them. The whole conversation uh, was... Why are you playing CMC? We can win without Christian McCaffrey and without Debo and without Trent. No, you can't. <laughs> and that's not a... Like, 
I thought Brock Purdy in this game was great for three and a half quarters. I thought this may have been one of his best games. He was keeping San Francisco in this game. It wasn't his fault that CMC fumbled in the red zone. Could have made this game at least tied at halftime or 10 to 16 at halftime, right? It wasn't his fault. Jake Moody missed a field goal again. Could have made this game 13 to 10 at halftime, 13 to 16 at halftime, and then again, sets you up for a field goal to win the game when it's all said and done uh, in the fourth quarter. But Brock Purdy was really good for three and a half quarters. Um, the ending result wasn't great, but 21 for 30, 272 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. Three and a half quarters was really good. He was evading pressure. There was an amazing play in the first half where he juked, maneuvered through the pocket, missed, made three guys miss, and ran for about 15 yards in a first down. It was great. It was a performance you said, man, I am freaking proud of you, Brock Purdy. You're showing that uh, the Browns' defense was the problem, not your offensive play. Then late in the game, he throws just two stupid picks that there's no excuse for. You overlead Juwan Jennings right into a safety's hands, and then you try to force a pass to McLeod, who wasn't open, into double coverage to the exact same safety. You played a secondary that has three players with a 98-plus pass rating allowed. Two of them over 110 pass rating allowed. How do you lose this game? It felt as if the Vikings had the book on what San Francisco was going to do all night on both sides of the, of, of the ball. They couldn't get off the field on third down. They couldn't execute in the red zone. There was three turnovers again. Brock Purdy has thrown three picks the past two games uncharacteristically of himself. CMC fumbles his third time this season. There's serious concerns of this team. No, it's not time to panic. They're 5-2. Again, they are winning the NFC West by half a game. Could easily come out against the Bengals this Sunday on a short week, mind you, and still win. It's not as if the, the sky is not falling. I'm not chicken little. It's not as if we're doing that just yet. But there are serious concerns as to the offense can't put up points. There's too many turnovers. And the defense can't stop anybody. This defense lost to P.J. Walker. They let Amari Cooper crush them against the Browns last week. And this week, you give up two touchdowns to a rookie receiver. And you allow, with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw on the field, knowing they are two of the best coverage linebackers in football. Knowing. They have allowed the third lowest QBR to tight ends in football, knowing they've allowed the fewest yards per catch for a tight end the entire league in the entire seven weeks of the season. 11 catches for Hawkinson last night. 11 catches. And over, if I can find it here on my notes, 11 catches for 86 yards and 7.8 yards in attempt. Everything San Francisco had going for them is out the window. Momentum is gone. You're now 5-2. and two. You're 2-2 two and two on the road. Your defense so far looks like a number 16th ranked defense. A number 12, 14, mid. It's a mid defense right now because your defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, is not putting players in positions to succeed. He's not allowing and generating these elite players he has on defense to actually make plays. And he's, he's forcing his secondary, like, take 2019, 
right? The cornerbacks were Sherman, an undrafted Emmanuel Mosley, Kwan Williams, who was a waiver pickup a few years prior. Then you had an unproven Jimmy Ward and a Jaquiski Tart playing safety. A lot of unproven players and an older Sherman. What helped that secondary? That amazing pass rush. D Ford, Buckner, Armstead, Bosa, and others. 2021. That secondary. Mosley. Verrett got hurt, remember? Josh Norman, Drake Kirkpatrick, Kwan Williams. What helped that young and unproven secondary play pretty well second half of the season? That pass rush last year, Mooney Ward, Lenore, Womack, then Jimmy Ward, would allowed a handful of unproven players like Lenore and Womack to play better. What helped the secondary last year? That pass rush. What's not helping this secondary this year, who is the exact same unit minus one player than it was last year. The pass rush is not helping. You have 30, you're on pace for 36 sacks. That's going to be bottom tier in football. When I'm watching Miles Garrett wreck games by himself saying, wow, we should have two guys at least with 10, 12 plus, plus sacks on this defense. Nobody has over six. Nobody has over three. That's a joke. That is a Steve Wilkes issue. He's too reliant on making the cornerbacks, you know, stand up to the noise, getting the light. There is, like, there's no help. The guys are on islands out there trying to guard receivers that are way too fast. I live in the Bay, right? I watched this past year's awful SF Giants team. They could not hit a freaking fastball to save their life. This Niners defense has the exact same issue because the pass rush isn't there. They cannot stop speedy receivers. They can't even stop rather slow receivers. In fact, KJ Osborne, who is what the Vikings number two receiver when Jefferson's healthy, who didn't even play in this game, mind you. He had the 74th highest, basically a poor, a piss poor separation rate. The 74th highest Yards per separation on a catch. Pretty bad, right? Last night, five catches, 47 yards, 9.4 yards per catch. They got exposed. The Niners secondary and defense got exposed last night. They couldn't secure tackles. This defense has missed 19 tackles the past two weeks. 10 against the Browns and 9 last night. It felt like there were 50 last night. This defense allowed the Vikings to convert 61% of their third downs last night. 8 for 13. 8 for 13 against a Vikings offense that didn't have their best player. The first drive of the game, the run defense was an issue. The first run by Madison, 19 yards, would the stats say on the screen, longest rush of the entire season. And you're like, what is going on? How do you have... These amazing all-pro players, and they can't secure tackle all of a sudden. They can't generate run defense. And it feels like all the goodwill that Wilkes has built up is now gone. It's gone. And I don't know why. I don't know what the idea or what the 
It felt as if the game plan was non-existent last night. I knew, you knew, Steve Oaks should have known. The Vikings offense without Jefferson was not going to be explosive. It was going to take a, maybe a few risks, but they were not going to beat you with deep balls downfield. Going to be a very much a intermediate passing game, quick passing game to, again, make sure Cousins is upright, which he was freaking perfect last night. Kirk Cousins last night against the Viking or against the Niners defense that has besides one game in 2018, literally crushed him every single time they've played, was 35 for 45, 378 yards, two touchdowns, and minus one pick on the first drive of the game was perfect. He didn't make almost a single mistake all night, and even that one pick led to zero points for San Francisco. So we're getting takeaways and not scoring. We're turning the ball over, they're scoring. The defense was atrocious. It felt as if everything that I had laid out, the Vikings want to do this, 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 and that, and the other, it was as if Steve Wilkes said, we're not going to guard any of that. We're not going to get pressure. We're not going to guard Hawkinson. We're not going to guard the intermediate routes. We're going to play man coverage against Jordan Addison and let them cook our defense all night long. There was no adjustments until later in the game, in the fourth quarter, when... This defense backed against the wall. Fred Warner, probably the best way to guard a quarterback sneak in the NFL. And San Francisco, for their credit, on the goal line, stuffed the Vikings and held them to a field goal. Like, there was maybe one, two drives you point to and say, wow, that's just dudes making plays. Not because Wilkes called a play, not because it was a scheme adjustment. It was because Warner and Bosa and Hargrave actually showed up. Other than that, other than that one drive that could have easily been three because, again, more penalties. Steve Volks, there's a reason Kyle Shanahan called him out last night. There's a reason Nick Bosa called out the scheme last night. For this defense, having gone from Robert Sala, right, leaves in 2021. What do they do? Promote from within. Linebackers coach Demeco Ryans. He's been here. He knows the defense. It makes it better because he can add a few more wrinkles into. He has a better feel for the game than Salah did. And Salah's great in his own right, but Demeco Ryans is probably the best, if not top five defensive coordinator in football. Then you bring in somebody from the outside after getting a defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa. The only scheme he's ever known his entire career. You add Javon Hargrave, and the whole conversation with Wilkes was, Kyle Shanahan said that we talked to him, he knows you're going to run our scheme, not your scheme. They had a conversation of how we're going to use our star players, and Shanahan signed off on it. Through seven weeks, you're already calling out your defensive coordinator, which you hadn't done the previous four or five years? This isn't going to last. This is not like, this has never happened in San Francisco with Sala and Ryans. And on the seventh game of the season... When you lose to Kyle Shanahan's, you know, quarterback he's in love with in Minneapolis, where Shanahan is yet to win in his career with San Francisco, he calls out Wilkes on the 60-yard zero blitz play of saying, uh, we'll talk about it this week, didn't like the result. Then Nick Bosa talks about, we're used to getting pressure with four players. I don't know what's happening. I don't really like this. 
Nick Bosa wasn't happy. So your head coach and your highest paid non-quarterback, the highest paid player on your team, aren't happy with the defensive coordinator? Um, That's doomed. They're going to have to look themselves in the mirror. And they're right to call him out. The fan base can be mad at certain points. Last year, San Francisco had their worst defensive performance per DVOA since 2000. What'd they do? They bounce back. I'm not dooming this team unless something changes because this team needs a change. You have elite players up front, elite players everywhere. We've gone from book your flight to Vegas, folks. We're going to the Super Bowl. Is this team going to be undefeated? This team's not going to lose a game until the bye week. They're too good. What, no Deshaun Watson? No Nick Chubb? No Joel Batonio? No Justin Jefferson? No Marcus Davenport? Oh my goodness, this team has a freaking easy trip to the bye week. A banged up Joe Burrow. Hoo-wee. This team might be 8-0 going into the bye. They can beat Jacksonville. They can beat the Bucks. They can be a 10-0 going into Seattle on Thanksgiving night. Now we're 5-2. The defense has gone from top 2 to maybe outside of the top 10. Your offense has put up 17 points the past two weeks. They're turning the ball over. Brock Purdy looks like non-clutch quarterback all of a sudden, I might say. Brandon Ayuk last night disappeared in the biggest game of his career. He could, and I put on Twitter before the game, no Debo Samuel. If Brandon Ayuk wants to prove that he's the guy, he can be the man, he was non-existent in the second half when this team needed him most. Five catches, 57 yards. On a normal day, that's fine. The difference is, he didn't touch the ball in the entire second half. That's on Shanahan, that's on Purdy, but that's on Brandon Ayuk as well. How are you not involved in the offense at all when you're the star receiver? Juwan Jennings, who is a fine player, a good player, he ain't looking for the bag, my friend. He ain't being talked about as a top 10 receiver in football in the past two weeks. Ayuk dropped three passes against the Browns, which may have changed the entirety of that game. And you were a ghost in prime time in the second half, at least. My friend, you have in the past two weeks fallen from grace. This had Debo Samuel been healthy and Ayuk been hurt, they win this game. It, it it changes the entirety of the offense. It allows it gives San Francisco more of a oomph, more of a firepower than Ayuk. And, and I I like Ayuk. He's a good receiver. I was saying, man, man, through five weeks, he's top 10. Woo, having a great year. We've gone from Purdy MVP, CMC MVP, Ayuk top 10, top 10 defense to, oh my goodness, if we play Philadelphia on Sunday, we're going to get our AWS kicked, and it's not going to be pretty. And Philadelphia didn't look great to begin the year. They've picked things up, and they're acquiring players from Tennessee. Kevin Bayard, they're improving the team. They're getting better. They're starting to hit their stride. You beat Dallas three weeks ago. Who cares? You beat the Steelers and the Rams and the Cardinals and the Giants. Who cares? Nobody cares about the previous five weeks. I don't care about the Browns game. I could write off that Browns game instantly and say it was raining, it was cold, guys got hurt, you missed the field goal, would have won you the game. 
What I can't excuse is you losing to the Vikings in prime time, knowing you're the better team, have the better roster, have the better coaching staff, have the better quarterback, in my opinion, and the, none of that showed last night. Shanahan, for all of his good things he does, what in the world were you doing with Christian McCaffrey? The fumble? Not Shanahan's fault. When you know you don't have Debo Samuel, when you know the Vikings blitz 56% of the time, the highest rate in football, what do you, or what should you do? Quick passing game. Quick passing game. In fact, the best play of the night for San Francisco, the biggest play of the game for them on offense was a Christian McCaffrey 35-yard touchdown reception on a screen pass, getting him into open space with blockers in front of him. What did not happen the rest of the night? A screen pass to Christian McCaffrey when he's wide open with space in front of him. Last night, Shanahan ran Christian McCaffrey 15 times. 15 times for 45 yards and 3 yards per attempt. That's the second week in a row McCaffrey's had under 4 yards a carry. And in this game especially, with no Debo, you have to use him. Kind of like Debo, not as physical, but on end arounds and screens with some creativity. But I'm so sick of knowing he has the oblique injury, knowing you don't have Debo. Why is Elijah Mitchell getting one carry? Give five carries to Mason, put McCaffrey out wide, design some screens for him. It allows you to take pressure off your offensive line, who is getting banged up all night. It takes pressure off your quarterback to make a quick, easy pass to McCaffrey. To give McCaffrey in open space, who, let's be honest here, in open space, he's one of the top five best players in that category. It's Tyree Kill and might as well be Christian McCaffrey. Why was that not designed when it easily worked on your biggest play of the night? It was as if Wilkes and Shanahan made a game plan and didn't even watch the Vikings at all. There was no tape. No, they just threw it out the window and said, whatever. We'll beat them. This one's in the bag. We got this. It's locked up, sealed, delivered. Primetime Kirk Cousins. Ooh, we got this one. We're going to get this dub easily. No Justin Jefferson. Ooh, even easier job now. 16th ranked defense. Man, we're going to cook them alive. Three cornerbacks, 98-plus pass rating allowed. Ooh, man, going to be easy peasy. In Minnesota, you gave them a chance. You turned the ball over early, allowed them to stay in the game. And I can be honest here, um, the Vikings dominated San Francisco. Dominated. And Gray Fox, 198 in the chat, says, Steve Volks was always a mid-defensive coordinator. I still don't understand why we hired him. Should have pursued Jim Schwartz. Um, I don't know about Schwartz. Obviously, he holds a pretty good record against Kyle Shanahan, I might add. But um, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know who else was truly out there that made me say, wow. Uh, Vic Fangio, for all the fans who love him, would not have fit what this team wants to do. But to your credit, Gray Fox, um, maybe Steve Wilkes doesn't fit what this team wants to do defensively. Um, it just... It's mind-boggling as to what the game plan was last night. Uh, my boy Randy Daytona says, No more hiring old friends, Kyle. And that's right. I know Chris Kosarek doesn't want to be the defensive coordinator. Hey, Chris, uh, how about a freaking Brinks truck comes to your house? Be the guy. <laughs> this team loves you. They know you. 
You can stay in San Francisco, no more pressure added to you. You can stay on the sideline instead of in the booth and you can do your job. Like, the Steve Wilkes thing, it just doesn't make sense. The play calling, the scheming, there is no creativity on defense. There is no stunts or getting maybe your worst defensive end, Farrell, Gregory, out of the Bosa, Hargrave, and Armstead collective. There is no getting them one-on-ones. It's allowing Bosa to be double-teamed all night long. Hargrave double-teamed all night long. And other guys aren't winning. Give me some stunts. There's a reason why Wink Martindale from the Giants, who that defense is not great, they almost beat the, 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 the Bills. Because they're at least creative on defense. There's a reason why Jim Schwartz and that Browns defense, which is great, is picking things up and is the best defense in 53 years, or at least was, prior to the Colts game this past Sunday. The Ravens defense, who signed Genevieve and Clowney this offseason, on paper, isn't great. They're crushing teams. They killed the Lions this past week. There's no excuse as to why this defense who's tallied over 40 sacks in three of the past four years, is on pace for 36. And back to Kyle Shanahan. Uh, just the, the, the CMC usage makes no sense to me. Um, he finally got Kittle involved. He had five catches for 78 yards, the probably the best performance of the entire offense last night. Then you have Brock Purdy, who again, for three and a half quarters was great. I don't know what he saw on those final two drives for the offense. You had a chance to take a lead both times and you threw picks right to cornerbacks and safeties. It just, I don't know. The second one felt more like a force than, you know, miscommunication. The first one was definitely miscommunication um, or, or overleading Jennings. But you can tell that, or at least the conversation's now going to be, you take away Debo, no Trent Williams, last week against the Browns, no Debo, no CMC, pretty falters. And and, and I, I don't believe that because against the Browns, Purdy had this team a chance to win. Against the Vikings, a worse defense, mind you, um, Purdy was great. Their three and a half quarters was running through this defense, moving the football. They just couldn't score. But when it mattered most, who failed? Brock Purdy. But I do think it does lend to the idea that this team needs to go acquire another receiver. Doesn't need to be a star. Doesn't need to be, you know, Devontae Adams or whatever. How about a Hunter Renfro? How about a slot receiver that no one's using? Kendrick Bourne's out there. He knows the system. He can alleviate some of the receiver issues. He was clutch as... He was Juwan Jennings. He was third and Juwan before there was third and Juwan. He'd love to come back here. I guarantee you that. This team is so top-heavy at receiver. Once you get to the McClouds and Ronnie Bell, is he in the doghouse now? Who knows? He had, like, no snaps last night. Why? <laughs> it's almost as if Shanahan, when... He feels the pressure, he gets really tight and just wonders, you know, how they're going to get this thing figured out. Doesn't use CMC the right way. Doesn't get Jordan Mason, who had 5.6 yards of carry against the Browns defensive line, and he gets no carries last night. I get you weren't running the ball effectively with CMC. How about some freaking power run up the gut 
and open up some space to give you a lightning and thunder, you know, comparison here. You give and you force the Vikings to tackle Jordan Mason, then you kill them on screens and dump-offs to McCaffrey. Get him in space. Let him do what he likes to do. Let him do his thing. Shanahan, like, there's so much blame to go around that, yes, Purdy gets it, CMC gets it, Ayuk gets it, the defense, Wilkes, they all get it. The cornerbacks were awful last night. Mooney War was getting cooked by Addison all night long. Um, had a pick, give him that credit. Also dropped the pick, and Addison pulled it out of his hands. It's crazy. It's insane. And again, Randy, Randy says here, I think since Wilkes is coming from a bad team, he's used to trying not to give up the big play and it's killing our defense. Maybe. But then why is he blitzing? If you don't want, if you don't want to give up the big play, you know what you don't do? You don't blitz. With 35, 40 seconds left in the first half, and you force the Vikings to beat you on your prevent defense, and you tackle them inbounds, make them take that timeout, make that clock run out, and say, it was only a field goal, it wasn't a 60-yard touchdown. Again, the Wilkes stuff makes no sense. They're, like When they question Wilkes today, tomorrow, during the week, there's not going to be an answer. And what's annoying is that he doesn't talk to the media, and... Coordinators usually don't, but if there was any game last night for a defensive coordinator to talk to the media, it was last night. Because fans deserve answers, media deserves answers. Hey, Wilkes, what was your thought process in that final play before halftime? Why did you do a zero blitz? Doesn't usually work in your favor and didn't last night for you, so what was what was the idea there? Well, you know, that, that play alone was the biggest momentum shift in the entire game. That one play alone, I can argue, cost San Francisco the game. If there was one play to point to, it's that one. Jordan Addison's 60-yard touchdown catch. It was that one right there. Your offense gets you a touchdown, 10-7. Great, we have momentum. Gonna go into halftime, 10-7. Gonna get the ball second half, and hopefully go at least tie this game up, and then boom, touchdown, gut punch, 16 to 7 going into halftime. And you're like, what just happened? The defense is like, whoa, we don't know what just happened to us. The offense is like, we have to carry this team again. And this is my biggest concern. Because under Sala, under Ryans, there are certainly some bad performances here or there, but overwhelmingly, the defense was never the issue. The defense was always the carrier of this team. It was always Need to stop, they're gonna get it. Turnover, gonna get it. Like this this defense, this defense now would have lost to that Saints team last year. They wouldn't have gotten a forced fumble in the red zone by Ufanga. They would have given up 17 points in that game. This defense now is not the defenses of Ryan's and Sala. This defense cannot carry this team at this point through seven games. This offense has to carry this team, which it's fine if the offense is getting you 30 points a night. You can sit back and say, allow 22 points on defense. I don't care. We're getting 30 points. We're getting 42 points against the Cowboys. Great. Grand. Perfect. This this offense now has to score over 25 points a game to win. In previous years, just needed like 14, 17. When you lose 17 to 19 and 17 to 22, because your defense 
can't stop anybody. Because you're allowing Kirk Cousins in prime time when he came in with a 2-10 record on Monday Night Football to pass for literally just... Listen to this. Kirk Cousins had 378 yards passing last night. Kirk Cousins in prime time without his best receiver. This defense gave up 478 yards of offense last night. Almost 500 yards to the Vikings offense. Without Dalvin Cook, who's now in New York, with a subpar rushing attack with Madison and Chandler and Cam Akers, who, for whatever reason, when he's in a Rams jersey, they can tackle. Last night, couldn't do it at all. Again, players have to make plays. There's no doubt about it. Warner, Greenlaw, when you think we got those two studs, two of the best tackling linebackers who are looking to hunt, looking to make plays, looking to force fumbles, Greenlaw was bad last night. I get he has the hamstring, fine. Having him on the field, better than not having him on the field. Last night, Greenlaw was bad. Warner was fine. Nothing of the defense is a positive. I guess we didn't call Deshaun Gibson's name once. That's a good thing. That's really it. No pressure from Bosa, Hargrave, and those guys. When you're paying your top three defensive players, Hargrave, Armstead, and Bosa, $92 million this year, and they got, what, six total sacks? That's a nightmare. When your defense, who is reliant on a pass rush to help the secondary, isn't getting it, your secondary gets exposed. And Kali says, Cousins looked like prime Dan Fouts last night. He did! I have never seen Kirk Cousins look that good in a game. Ever. Against this defense. Ever. And Kirk Cousins is a fine quarterback. We all know this. We, we know who Kirk Cousins is. The Niners know, more than any team, who Kirk Cousins is. He's a intermediate passing game quarterback that sits around... 12th in QBR every single year and finishes maybe at number 10 and will put up some big games, but overwhelmingly is not going to blow you away. Um, in prime time, going to falter, going to go back into his turtle shell and hide. Last night, he was flaunting it. He was throwing off his back foot and throwing sidearms and sideways. They were making Cousins look like an elite franchise quarterback last night, which should never happen against a Niners defense. Ever. Ever. And it did. I'm sick. Like, I'm. It, it makes me sick. I'm sitting there watching the game and I'm saying, gonna come in, gonna win this game, gonna bounce back. And it was like, oh my God. From Jump Street, we look awful. We look awful. Too many penalties. Felt like every single... Like, this Vikings offense, again, without Justin Jefferson, marched 89 yards and scored a touchdown on our defense because screen to Addison complete to Addison for a first down third down finds Hawkinson wide open over the middle then a Madison run for 13 yards then Cousin just floats it up for a touchdown this defense could not get off the field on third down the offense couldn't sustain drives this was an overall crapshoot by the San Francisco 49ers, who we once said were Super Bowl favorites. It was a joke. 
it feels as if the defense is lulling themselves to sleep every single night. And again, like Randy Daytona says, I liked when Demeco and Solo were on the sideline. I loved watching them scream and yell and get involved in the defense and clap and cheer. And you see them flexing their muscles and you're just like, that's an aggressive defense. That is what I want to see. And Wilkes is like, let me see what the next play is in the booth. Put my glasses on and let's see what we have here. And it's like, give me some energy, man. Like, it's almost as if, like, it's a worse look because he's an outside hire who's up in the booth away from his defense, having no communication with them almost the entirety of the game. When things are going awry, it's up to the team leaders to fix and, and talk to the team. Sometimes that works. They certainly have the pedigree, the players, the leaders to do so. Warner, Greenlaw, Bosa, Hargrave, Arm, like they, they have the players that can step up. They have leaders on this defense. But sometimes, as a defensive coordinator, you just see things differently. You just see things from a higher standpoint, in this case, literally. But you're going to see things from a different point of view. Wilkes is so detached from game day plays when it comes to being on the sideline. Being like, how many pictures did we see the past four or five years of everybody huddle up and who's in the middle? Sala, Ryan's coaching the defense saying, gotta do this. Got that never happens because Wilkes is so far in the booth with the assistants and the play sheet. There is no communication from Wilkes to the defense. There's none. It's on the players. And right now, and usually the past two games, those players are gassed. Even Fred Warner said last night that our mental toughness is being questioned. The previous four years, we knew this team guts out the past two games for wins. Whether it's a game-winning field goal by gold, or just last night playing bend-don't-break defense and only giving up 16, 17 points, giving the offense you know, more of a chance to win. And the offense had their chances the past two games, but again, my point still stands. The past two, the past two games, this defense plays bend, don't break, and they win these past two games. Fred Warner knows this. He's openly said this, that we have to get better mentally. We're being questioned, we're being tested, and we're failing. This team, this defense, is not the same defense it was the past two years, despite having better personnel, despite having a better defensive line. And unfortunately, I don't like this. The team, the roster in itself is likely not going to change. This personnel is who they're going to have all year long. The odds they trade for a Patrick Sertan aren't very high. Could happen, but aren't very high. Like, if, if I'm San Francisco... I'm getting a swing tackle. I'm calling Tennessee and saying, I want Daniel Brunskill back. And I'm making him my swing tackle in case somebody gets hurt, like Trent Williams. And Jalen Moore wasn't awful last night. That's not the biggest issue. Then I'm calling the Raiders for Hunter Renfro, the Patriots for Kendrick Bourne. And I'm not even asking for a top-tier cornerback. I'm just asking for a number-four cornerback. Because right now, Thomas is unplayable. Uh, Womack is hurt. Looter's hurt. This this team has four cornerbacks. That's it. And one of them you can't even trust. But the bigger issue is pass rush. You have to get home. I know fans want Brian Burns. Maybe it happens. 
Maybe they go acquire Brian Burns, who was with Wilkes last year. I wouldn't doubt that happening. But again, it's San Francisco sitting back saying we have $41 million. But I have to ask you and even myself this question. This team is now 5-2. and two. You've watched the Eagles now crush the Dolphins in prime time. And you watch the offense pick things up and look pretty darn good, right? You've also watched the San Francisco offense and defense fall through the past two weeks. Do you still think this team is elite? I would argue they're probably the fifth best team in the league right now behind the Eagles, the Dolphins, um, the Chiefs for sure. And you're going to have certain people say, maybe the Cowboys, maybe the Bills, I'm sure the Lions. You're going to have people question, and rightfully so, how good this team actually is. When they won five games in a row, it was, who have they played? And the Steelers' win looks better now than it did two weeks ago. Then it was the Rams, who aren't that great. Then it was the Giants, who stink. The Cardinals, who stink. And the Cowboys. When you win 42-10 to 10 against the Cowboys and then you lose the next two games against teams that are inferior to them, you deserve to get questioned. I hope, and my takeaway is, that the Niners, Warner, Greenlaw, Bosa, Hargrave, Purdy, CMC, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, Williams, Kyle Shanahan, Steve Wilkes, look in the mirror and say, what needs to change? Because right now, you would get boat raced by the Eagles. You might lose to the Dolphins. You'd be in a shootout with the Lions. And right now, you couldn't survive that. (laughs) You probably wouldn't win against those teams. And it's not me being unfaithful. It's not me being, you know, off the bus, off the bandwagon. It's just me and I think the entire league now and the entire media questioning how good this team is. Because... Now you have to beat the Bengals, who do have a healthy Jamar Chase, who have now what seems like healthy T. Higgins, who has Joe Mixon, I believe, back in the fold, who has a strong, really good underrated defense off a of bye week. This team could easily be either 5-3 and three or 6-2. and two. And the odds currently, despite opening up favorites at home, are not in their favor. If you fall to 5-3 and three going into the bye week, is it the worst thing in the world? No. But it certainly isn't what it should be. What it could have been. And this team needs to take a long, hard look in that mirror. Because right now it is not good. It's not pretty. And they are rightfully so being questioned day in and day out. That does it for myself. My name is Sterling Bennett. Thank you for watching, listening, and I want to ask you to kindly like, share, and subscribe, whether on YouTube or listening on the audio version of the podcast. It's a free way to help the show get more views, expand the audience, and grow the faithful community. Again, thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing, watching, uh, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to it. Um, I also want to let you know that if you want to go to the Bengals Niner game on Sunday, you can use our promo code 49ersaccess, 49ersaccess at seatgeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. You can also follow us on social media at 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. 
and 49ers.access is the Instagram. Over 18,000 on Instagram, trying to get to around 3,500 on Twitter. Uh, we're almost there. And also, if you can subscribe to the show on YouTube, uh, we're trying to get to 560 by the end of the week. Hoping we can get that done and continue to grow the audience we have here on YouTube. And if you're watching or listening on uh, podcasting platforms, leave a review. You can say whatever you want. Tell me your takeaway from this game in the comments or in your review, but give us five stars. It certainly helps the show. And again, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google, it helps everywhere you listen to your podcast. Tough loss for San Francisco. Um, it makes me sick to my stomach. I want to go cry in a blanket because <laughs> it just makes me sad whenever San Francisco loses. But game on Sunday, a short week, a good chance to get right back on track going into the bye week and beat a really good Bengals team that is steaming hot right now. That preview show will come out later this week as we get ready for Niners and Bengals this Sunday, 1 o'clock at Levi Stadium. One last time, my name is Sterling Bennett saying thank you for watching, thank you for listening, and until next time, stay faithful.